Good morning, everyone. We have um, from our first reading, the prophet Isaiah speaking to us, and he's reminding us uh, uh, and the people of his time about God and his faithfulness and his promises. The people who were hearing him, the prophet Isaiah at that time, had been in captivity, and uh, uh, their city was laid to waste, and uh, they couldn't imagine even a worse time, but there was. Uh, he reminds them eventually about their time when they were under the hands of the Egyptians and their 40 years because of their disobedience and distrust. And he's reminding them, God is faithful. Remember this. Remember his promises. And he fulfills them. He's given you land, and the Messiah will come. And uh, it's a very, the whole chapter is very, very beautiful. St. Peter uh, uh, reminds us uh, also in a way about um, God's promises and love. He said, look, a thousand years is but a day, or a day, a thousand years to him. So what appears to be his delay really isn't. It's all in his plan. And uh, in the meantime, be doing something. Be holy. Walk in that holiness and prepare. And that's what uh, the first reading also is about preparation, prepare. And uh, ultimately, uh, in Mark's gospel, uh, we hear about John the baptizer uh, in his message uh, to us, uh, to the people of his time and to us. And so, my friends, in all three cases, is a reference to Jerusalem. And for me, having been in the Holy Land just recently, but also hearing about everything uh, and hearing that line, comfort, give comfort to my people. Someone, us, someone needs to stand up and give comfort to everyone in the Middle East, to all the people of Israel, to all the people in Gaza, to all the people uh, in the West Bank. There is great violence and great sadness. They need to hear the message of hope again. And that should be us, to all the people there. And um, my friends, uh, when I look at the readings, there's a reference to Jerusalem in the first reading. Uh, the reference by St. Peter, he doesn't say Jerusalem, but that's what he's talking about, the new heavens and the new earth. That comes from John the Evangelizer, who speaks about in, in the Revelation. So I know that's what Peter is referring to. He's referring to that new Jerusalem. And then, of course, um, John, who by our standards would have been considered a very salty person, <laughs> and the reason why he's salty is because he lives in the desert and he eats bugs. That's his meal, and he was wearing camel hair clothes, so yeah, that feels good. So yeah, he's cranky, <laughs> and I'm glad because he was cranky towards the people who needed to listen. And, uh, uh, but uh, So his message uh, rings true even today. And uh, my friends, so let us look at Jerusalem and uh, uh, the, the different meanings that we can understand. And uh, that first line then that comes from Isaiah, comfort, give comfort to my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And it is true the prophecy was directed to Jerusalem, uh, but uh, my friends, we look at this and uh, we see that this, the first reference in our readings uh, is the obvious one. This is a city uh, that was in Israel and it was their capital. And as I said, um, it was in ruins and the Jews have been conquered once again and exiled, but this time by the Babylonians. And that reading seems to imply that the Jews uh, had done something. Probably they were disobedient because it says, 
God dealt out twice the punishment to you. Um, okay. So he's calling, so they would have thought maybe they were forgotten or that God had left them, but the prophet is saying, no, that is not the case. He has not forgotten you. He is faithful even when you are not. Remember his promises. And uh, God would deliver them uh, from their current situation. And uh, the time would come when the Messiah would arrive for them. And uh, so he, you know, these deeds done long in the past came as comfort in their time of trouble because it, the prophet reminded them of God's faithfulness and his power of goodness to them. The second Jerusalem is the one to come. This is the one that Peter is referencing in the second reading. It reminds us that Jesus will fulfill his promise. He will return, and with that, to bring his kingdom, the new heavenly Jerusalem. Now, believing in Christ's promise gives all of us Christians not only hope but comfort because it shows us that even though there are trials and sufferings and disappointments in this world, it will not be forever. And we need to be reminded, just as the Israelites needed to be reminded, that God is faithful because Christians have forgotten that God is faithful because they're overwhelmed by the world now. So they have forgotten. And I know they have forgotten because of the way they act. St. Paul, in Romans chapter 8, 28, he says, all Things work for the good of the one who will be faithful, the one who loves God. That is a statement about God being ultimately into control. And if you believe this, the way you respond and uh, react in situations is going to tell people that. And I've got to get our people to that point. Well, all this stuff, all these bad things, blah, 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 blah. Yep, and it doesn't mean you're not supposed to, you just don't retreat. You actually do something. Paul says, and Peter will tell us too, he told us very clearly, walk in holiness, prepare for the coming, not in fear, but with hope and anticipation. Remember, he is faithful. So either you believe what Paul says, all things, whether they be wicked or bad in our world, will work for the good of what God has his purpose. Go and read that whole chapter of Romans, chapter 8. Either you believe it or you don't. And I'm able to tell what you believe or do not by your reactions to things. But as a pastor, I have to be very loving and say, what, what's a, have you no faith? So my friends, the third one, the third one, I believe, is the Christian heart for now. John the Baptist proclaimed his prophecy to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to individual people as well as collectively as a nation. And St. Paul, in his writings, would tell us, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. And the temple back in their days was the very heart of the city. It was the city. So then, what I'm putting forth to you is, uh, perhaps now, for the time being, until that new Jerusalem comes, the Jerusalem uh, that we can now imagine and have is the one that is in your heart. That is Jerusalem now. 
And uh, my friends, that is a sacred city to God. And maybe from God's perspective, maybe this is the Jerusalem that is most important. The one that is your heart. And I recall the Gospels. Jesus is ultimately heading to Jerusalem. Are you getting that? He's looking to get into your heart. So the words of Isaiah, prepare a pathway. Stop putting obstacles in the way. Start clearing it out of the way. That's what that first reading's about. Start getting the things out of the way and make, make a straight path for the Lord to come. And in this, then, he has not forgotten us. He has remembered he has not forgotten his promises. He is heading to us. He is coming. And he brings the whole power of heaven with him to give comfort to his people. And therefore, as John the Baptist stressed, it is up to each one of us to prepare that pathway to our Jerusalem. This idea of creating a pathway in John's time was very familiar. One of the things that they did in those ancient cities was when they heard that the emperor or the ruler or the person of honor was coming, they went and fixed the roads. They got the rocks out of the way. They filled little holes. And uh, if they had to, they dug a new pathway that might have been shorter. So when Isaiah is talking that way and when John was talking that way, the people understood it in a particular way. They prepared um, as a sign of respect and honor for this person. Today, some cities do that, but in all the wrong ways. When someone important is going to visit their city, and uh, what they do then is they clear out all the homeless people from vision as if people are trash. They are not. That is a shameful thing. So the way they understood it in ancient times, the way we understand it is a little bit different. That's why I have to point it out to you. What they, when this was written, they cleared the dirt out of the way and the rocks and stuff. They, didn't, they would never think about doing. As a matter of fact, they would have put the homeless people right in the pathway of the king. I digress. <laughs> so my friends, Christ is our king, and he is heading to Jerusalem. So start making the path for him easier. Because this is what we do as Christians. He pays a visit to the soul. We need to fill in the valleys and to topple the mountains using Isaiah's words. So how do you do that, Father Mark? Here we go. Speaking of the valleys, think of it as sins of omission. The things that you should be doing but that you are not. Spending time with family. If you are not regularly doing this, you should. The second piece, as sacramental people, you should be living a sacramental life. And if you're not, you should. This is good medicine for the soul. It has God's graces attached to it. If you are not forgiving and showing mercy to others, you should be. And you should be doing it quickly. No, blah, 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 blah. Just do it. I get it. Some things are harder to forgive. That does not mean you don't do it. 
It means you struggle with it and get it done. If you are not extending kindness to others, you need to. This is part of clearing the pathway, filling in that valley. What about the mountains that Isaiah, now I'm speaking metaphorically. How about the things we build up known as sins of commission? When you gossip, when you criticize, stop doing that and you'll begin to tear down the mountain you have built up of criticism. And what about the other things? My friends, those other things that uh, we would uh, do, such as listening, because uh, John says, uh, I'm a voice in the desert. What about the voices you hear that call people to racism and to think that way and discrimination and bigotry and hatred? Those build up into mountains. You have to tear those down using Isaiah's words and the self-indulgence and selfishness. Whew, you need to only watch the Christmas commercials for all the sales. You need this, and Amazon will deliver it to you right away. That's fine. But it promotes selfishness and self-interest. Remember, Christ was interested in the other. This is a mountain. <laughs> There's a mountain that needs to be taken down. So that pathway to the heart, this Jerusalem for now, he may come and enter into. My friends, you know, how you treat family and friends and coworkers and strangers matter. So those words, prepare the way for the Lord, making straight his paths. And so my friends, uh, uh, we need to bring this to prayer and uh, we need to pray more. Uh, that certainly opens up a pathway. And the sacraments for us Roman Catholics, if you haven't gone to confession in a while, get over there. I'm over there in that room. If you're not familiar with that room, that tells me you're not been in there. <laughs> and maybe you go elsewhere, but in the sacrament of reconciliation, confession, he removes the sin. He takes the burdens off of you. You come out, whew, that feels good. Yeah, some people come out crying, not because the priest has been mean. <laughs> he has taken that from them, and they feel relief. So it's tears of comfort that they received. Yeah. But dear, during Advent, come to Mass more often. Yeah. Make a trip to confession. Friends, all these things. We, we have adoration here on Thursdays, and we had it. some parishes have it 24-7, and God bless them for this kind of adoration. And here before... Uh, COVID, we would have it right after Mass on Thursday until 5 p.m. But since co after COVID and everything, we haven't been able to get back there. We need to get back there. The church says there must be two adorers. That means two people must be in adoration for, to, to for the Eucharist to be on. The, the only difference is when the deacon and I are present because we're ordained minister. I don't want to get into that. Uh, that's a different matter. What matters is that we can't get back to that time frame again because we don't have people coming in to pray. So we have it for uh, till noon, because that's as far as we can go having two people. So maybe during Advent, you might consider coming in and spending time praying. There's all kinds of things you could be praying for. I know you do. I know there is. I hear about it all the time. So there's all kinds of things. And uh, my friends, uh, uh, the other thing about Advent, and we, don't never, we never think about this, because all we think about are Christmas presents. 
but it's also a time of fasting, like Lent. I know, for, someone said, but it's not Lent. No, it's not Lent, <laughs> but it is one of the virtues in our Christian, and, and the reason why the color is similar to Lent is because it has a penitential nature to it. And so what do we fast from? From all the bad habits, saying bad things, using our Lord's name in vain. They're crying out loud. That's the easiest. Stop using his name in vain. Stop cursing others with his name. Fast from that. That's creating a pathway also to the heart. My friends, uh, this is what we should be doing during the Advent season. This is the time of preparation to celebrate the incarnation of Christ, to remember. All the other things are fine, but those are second. I mean, all the shopping and all that stuff. That's all second stuff. So my friends, uh, here uh, we have formation programs. Deacon leads a Bible study. If you want to be able to rattle off like I do, <laughs> scriptures, come to Bible study. Then, then maybe I don't have to preach as long. <laughs> right? But I need to open the scriptures to you so you understand. And we have the formation program. If you haven't heard, the bishops of the United States changed the age of confirmation. Now it's 6th and 7th graders. It used to be the high schoolers, but they were all angsty. You, know, you don't tell me what to do. Well, that's right. I don't tell you what to do because you don't listen. <laughs> but, I mean, the parents. Uh, uh, but the 6th and 7th graders, they're more open to that. So if you have children that are that age, now is the time to get them registered in and get them into the formation for it. And my friends, um, look, uh, the opening phrase of Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel was the first gospel to be recorded. It's the shortest one. And he tells you right from the beginning, this is the gospel. You remember what that word means? The good news. This is the good news of Jesus the Christ. When they hear Christ, they hear Jesus the Messiah. And then just to make sure you, you get it, and he says, and by the way, he's the son of God. He had to say that because John the Baptist was here. And for 400 years before John the Baptist, there was no prophet. So John comes and everybody got all, ooh, the Messiah is here. And that's why John said, look, I am not he. And that's why Mark, he does that. He slaps you in the face with it. The good news, and what is the good news? The good news is that Jesus is here. And everything, all the promises are happening and this is the message you're supposed to be giving to other people. So, my friends, so here we go. Mark, when he wrote the gospel, he didn't write it simply as a book. It was that, but he wanted you to experience. He wrote it. And the way the Emeritus Pope Benedict XVI said it, it was not just to inform. It was not only informative, but performative, it does something to you. It increases, it changes, it transforms. And look, the Gospel of Mark was written 70 years after the resurrection of Christ. So for 70 years, you guys know this stuff, right? There was no New Testament. You couldn't go to a book and look it up. Oh, because they were in the middle of living it. So how did they do this? They transmitted it by example and word first what you guys are supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be doing that. This is not new when we think about it. It's ancient. 
we have the benefit of the scriptures to help us. But you have to be about doing this. And my friends, it's been put on my heart about those who feel alone. We have to address this. Because for those who feel alone, they go into very, very dark places and do things that are not good. And I know people can misunderstand what I'm about to say, but sometimes the first thing we do is not to tell them that God loves them because they're not ready. The first thing is you're not alone. You're not alone. And then when you have their attention, you're not alone. Then you tell them, Jesus, Jesus sent me. God hasn't forgotten you. He loves you. Then they're ready. That is what we're to be about. In our parish, uh, just as the Holy Spirit moves, our youth minister, Chloe, approached the parish and said, I would like the youth to make Christmas cards and let us give it to the homebound and those uh, who are sick. And so we, we did. And for some of them, this will be the only thing that they get. And that card is going to remind them, Merry Christmas. Blessed New Year. You have not been forgotten. You are not alone. Merry Christmas from St. Nicholas Catholic Church. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. Go and do this for the glory of God. Amen? Amen.